The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. When Jesus had said this, she went and called her sister, when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? This is the word of the Lord.
Thank you, Ruthie. Let's pray. Lord, this morning has even been a reminder that trouble surprisingly can come at any moment. And it shows us how powerless and vulnerable and and fragile life really is. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that your word this morning encourages us, um, shapes us, and even transforms us, Lord. I pray that after this sermon, Lord, that all of our faith is increased, our trust in you is deepened, and our love for you um, is strengthened, Lord. I pray now for myself that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart are acceptable in your sight, and that we see you, Christ Jesus, high and lifted up right now. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk this morning about trusting God even when it hurts. Trusting God even when it hurts. Has something ever happened in your life that made you ask the question, why God? Have you ever experienced so much pain or heartbreak that it made you question God's goodness and his love for you? Maybe at this point you simply said, why God, why? Or maybe you said something different like, God, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and you said if I ask anything in your name, you will give it. So why didn't you heal my mom? Maybe you said I worked hard. I did everything right. I, I was fair. I, 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 I took care of my family. But why did you allow me to lose my job? Do you love me? Do you really care about me, God? As we looked on the news this past couple years and saw the many unarmed black and brown bodies. Many of us have cried out, even ourselves, how long, oh Lord? How long should we continue to live in a world like this? Many of us have even felt like, God, I believe in you, but it just seems as if you care about everybody else. You care about blessing everybody else, but me, where are you? Have you ever asked a similar question? And if you have, I want to encourage you and let you know that you aren't alone, but you are actually in good company. Because King David on multiple occasions cried out to God saying, how long, O Lord? David said, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Asaph said to God, how long, O Lord, will you be angry with me forever? Job, when he lost everything in his life, said, God, how, why are you doing this? Where are you? Even the prophet Habakkuk said, where are you? Habakkuk said, how long must I call for help, but God, you do not listen? How long must I say violence, God, but you do not save? This is what a person says when their faith and trust in God is, is being shaken. This is what a person says when trouble has begun to shake their life. And this is the tone of John chapter 11 as we come to it this morning. As we have been reading through John, John so far has been a fairly lighthearted and encouraging book. It's been full of happy endings. 
in, in the very beginning, we see Jesus turn water into wine, saving the wedding. That was a happy ending. In John chapter 6, we see people starving, and Jesus feeds a, a group, a crowd of 5,000 men with two fish and five loaves of bread, another happy ending. We see his disciples caught in a storm about to die, and Jesus somehow walks on water and saves them, another happy ending. We see him um, heal the blind, heal the sick, all these happy endings. But as we come to John chapter 11 this morning, we have to wonder, for the first time, will we get that same happy ending? And I know this is a familiar story. Many of you already know how the story ends. Many of us know that Lazarus died today, but next week we're going to read the verses that he is alive and well. But for a moment, let's pretend as if we don't know the story. For a moment, will you take a journey with me back to this small town and let's sit with Martha and Mary as they grieve the loss of their brother for four days. And as many of you may have asked the question, why God so did both of these sisters? For they did what was right. They called on Jesus to come and save them, but Jesus was nowhere to be found. And when they finally saw Jesus, both of these sisters said the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, echoing the sentiments of, Lord, where were you? We called you and trusted you, but you was a no-show. And this is the struggle of much of our faith. We say we serve this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good God who loves us and cares for us. But in these times, in the times we need him the most, sometimes it seems as if God is either quiet, he's blind, or he simply don't care. But John chapter 11 is a powerful chapter because it teaches us about God's power, his purpose, and his plan. And what I love about John 11 is that it doesn't sugarcoat the fact that believers will, in fact, experience suffering and pain. But even in these moments where we don't understand what's going on, the main thing John teaches us this morning is that God uses difficult situations in our lives to reveal his power and to deepen our faith. God uses the hurt, the pain, the confusing times in our lives to show us his power and his glory and to also deepen and increase our faith and trust in him. And because of this, God wants you to trust in him despite what your circumstances may be telling you. And this leads us to our first takeaway this morning. My, our first takeaway this morning is simply that God wants to increase your trust in him by showing you his glory and his power. Look back at the story for a second with me. Look at verse 1. It says, A certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. He whom you love is ill. Mary and, and Martha are popular names in the gospel. They are prominent figures in the gospel. In the book of Luke, we see Jesus and his disciples hanging out, chilling at Martha and Mary's house. And, and, and John even tells us that Jesus has deep affection for this family. So we can assume that Lazarus, Mary, and Martha have a close relationship with Jesus. 
And all throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus heal random strangers. So we would assume that when someone who actually knows Jesus, who, who Jesus loves, who he has a close relationship with, when they call him, we would assume that Jesus would run to the rescue. But verse 5 tells us Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. I don't know about you, but my first time reading this, I thought it was going to read, Jesus loved Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. So when he heard he was ill, he took off running to the rescue. But it says he loved them, so he stayed and waited two days. And immediately already, we asked the question, why? God, if you love him, why did you wait? And the answer is found in two places in verse 4 and in verse 14. In verse 4, Jesus simply said, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God and the Son of God, that the, that, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus said, this sickness that has overcome Lazarus is not to punish him. It's not because I don't love him. It's for the glory of God. He says it's for the glory of God. What does the glory of God mean? What does glory mean? Well, the Bible defines glory in many different ways. The Bible says that a person will be received into glory, making glory a place. The Bible defines glory as someone receiving glory or someone receiving praise. But John describes glory as God's revelation being revealed. John uses glory not as God being praised, but as God revealing more of who he is. So God's glory increasing is God showing you more of who he is. And this is the journey of the book of John. See, Jesus, the visible image of God, arrives on the scene and nobody knows who he is. But he does the first miracle. He turns water into wine and makes people start to question, who is this guy? He then shows that he's the bread of life. He then shows that he's the light of the world. He begins to heal the sick. He begins to do things that only God can do. And finally, he's about to get ready to overcome death. This is God revealing more of who he is. And so this shows us that the purpose for the trial, the purpose of this trial in this family life was that God could show them and everyone else more of who he is putting his power and glory on full display. And in verse 14, Jesus told his disciples that Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Do y'all hear what he said? He said, my, one of my best friends has died, but for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Lazarus is dead. Mary and Martha are, are, in fact, crying and grieving. And his, Jesus' main concern wasn't stopping the pain from happening, but his main concern was building up their faith and their trust in him. Jesus said to his disciples, more than anything, I want you to believe in me. I want you to trust in me. More than you getting everything that you want and living an easygoing, perfect life, I want you to believe. And these verses teach us that difficulties come in our life because Jesus wants to increase our trust and dependence on him. He wants to use these opportunities to show us and the world exactly who he is. Um, Herschel York, a pastor and author, says it this way. 
He says, you and I cannot possibly comprehend why God allows things into our lives that cause us to cast ourselves on him, to come to the end of our own strength so that we don't rely on ourselves. And sometimes the very thing that we most want to avoid, the thing that we most dread is precisely the thing that God uses to draw us to himself. When tragedies strike and heartbreaks happen, it's, it's human nature for us to ask the question, why? When those men took over the plane and flew into the building and we all watched on TV, we all said, why? Even now, I tell my two-year-old daughter to pick up her toys, and the first thing she says is, why? It's human nature for us to ask and search for the question, why? Why did this happen? We can't comprehend, and, and we struggle to even believe in God because we can't get over the why. And I want to apologize to you this morning. I don't have the answer for why. I don't know if there's a perfect answer to tell you why it happened, but I can tell you the perfect response. The perfect response for us to do in these moments is for us to believe. Jesus tells us throughout this entire narrative that what he wants most from you is to trust in him even when it hurts. I can't give you the answer to why suffering happened, to why that sickness came, to why death happened, to why persecution came. I can't tell you why, but I can tell you to trust and believe in Jesus. I don't know why my dad died when I was seven years old as we was driving to church for him to preach that morning. I don't know why out of all the cars on the highway, our car had to be the, the car that flipped over and my dad was the one who passed away. I don't know why. But in all of my tears and in all of my asking God why, I have learned to trust him. And, and in me learning to trust God, I have learned that he is the one who will be my everything. I have learned that even though my father passed, I didn't grow up fatherless. I have learned that my God is the one who protects me and provides for me and, and guides my every step. I have learned to trust in him. Was this thing good that happened in my life? No, it wasn't happening. But God even used this, this, this tragedy to get the glory for himself. God has used something that, that has caused so much pain in my family life to show my family that he still is God and he still is good. So I don't know why God hasn't answered your prayers yet, but I want to tell you to trust him. I don't know why God hasn't sent you that spouse yet, but I want to tell you to trust him. I don't know why God hasn't broke you from that addiction yet, but I want to tell you to trust him. God is good and he cares for you, and just as he loved Lazarus, so does he love you. And this leads us to our second takeaway this morning, which is the reason why God wants us to trust in him. And God wants us to trust in him because he is the resurrection and the life that you long for. Lazarus gets fatally sick, so his sisters call Jesus. Jesus waits two days to arrive, and when Jesus finally shows up, Lazarus has been dead in his tomb, in his grave for four days. And Martha hears Jesus is, is on his way, so she meets him on the road. And verse 21 tells us what she said. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And whoever believes in me shall never die. If I was to ask everyone in this room what your greatest fear is, I'm sure um, someone here has a, a crazy greatest fear like being touched by wet socks or something crazy like that. But we all will probably have a different fear, greatest fear. But I'm sure that all of us have the same fear. All of our greatest fear is the same thing. It's death. You may say your greatest fear are sharks. You're not afraid of sharks. You're only afraid of what a shark can do to you, right? You might say your greatest fear is a, is a grizzly bear or something. You're not afraid of a grizzly bear itself, but you're afraid of what a grizzly bear can do to you. It's, it's death. Death is the one enemy that no one has been able to conquer. Death is the one enemy that we have come to grips with that we can't overcome it. So instead of overcoming death, we fight to postpone death. That's why we change the way we eat. That's why we put on seatbelts when we get in the car. That's why we work out. We're doing all of this in the, in the attempt to postpone death. And I believe death is so feared because it's so final and, and sudden. It renders you powerless. There's no coming back. You work your whole life to accumulate all of this beautiful things, and when death comes, it's like it's, it never existed. Death is our great enemy. And Lazarus' body has begun to decay and decompose. The professionals have wrapped his body in linen and prepared his body for the grave because Lazarus is gone and, and is not returning. Mary and Martha, his sisters, did everything in their power to postpone death for him, but death has won again. The, the game is over. But then all of a sudden, Jesus, with his cool walking self, arrives on the scene like nothing happened. And he said, Death, I know you think game over, but, but hold on. And he tells Martha, your brother will rise again. And he will not rise again at, on, on the last day, on judgment day, years from now. He is going to rise again because I am here. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. That because I am here, he will live. And I want us to see that Jesus said, I am, not I have. Jesus didn't say, I have resurrection, I have life. He said, no, I am life, meaning that everyone who comes to me, everyone who believes in me, everyone who walks with me has the same thing that I have, because I am resurrection and life. And this is the good news this morning that we don't have to be afraid of death. Because Jesus said that even though you die, yet you shall live. And, and matter of fact, he said, because you are with me, you won't even die. Because I'm the resurrection and the life. See, 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 the truth is we all going to physically die. There is no, no, no vaccine to prevent that. And matter of fact, I want, we don't want to live here forever because Jesus says the life that I have for you is I'm going to take you to a place. The staple singer used to sing a song, I know a place. Oh, no, my baby. Y'all don't know about that wrong crowd, wrong crowd, wrong crowd. I know a place, Jesus says. 
But there will be everlasting peace, everlasting goodness, everlasting joy. That there will be no more sadness, no more sorrow. Because I am the resurrection and the life. Do we see how mind-blowing and groundbreaking this news is for them? And I want to ask the question, how does this impact and transform our life today? Because many of our questions is a good question, and the question is, okay, I believe in Jesus. He's the resurrection and the life, but I'm not going to experience that until, until however many years from now. But what about the pain that I'm dealing with right now? What about the frustrations that I'm dealing with right now? How can Jesus being the life and the resurrection touch me today? Well, I want to tell you that Jesus being the life and the resurrection does not prevent you from enduring pain or these frustration, these frustrating moments. But I want to say that the fact that Jesus is the life and the resurrection, it means that he gives us a new pair of glasses to, to put on. See, with our physical eyes, all we can see are the problems. With our physical eyes, all we can see that we are caught in this traffic jam. All we can see are the relational issues and the bad report from the doctor. All we feel is hopelessness and despair because we don't see a way out. But when we put on our resurrection glasses and with our right eye see that he's the resurrection and with our left eye see that, 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 that he is the life, we gain a new perspective. We finally see that Without the glasses, the problem that we are dealing with is everything in our life. It consumes us. But when we put on these glasses, we begin to see that God is bigger than any and every problem we will face. We begin to see that we are not a people without hope because our God knows how the story ends. So please remember that he is the resurrection and the life. And finally, before I take my seat, I want to tell you that God wants you to trust in him because he is a present God who enters into life's mess with you. He is a present God who enters into life's mess with you. I told you about the conversation with Martha, but let me tell you about the conversation with Mary. When Mary ran out of the house and finally saw Jesus, she greeted Jesus with the same words of her sister. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I can't wonder how many times over the past four days Mary and Martha said this to each other. If Jesus was only here, everything would be all right. But instead of Jesus trying to defend himself, I want us to see that he didn't defend himself and say, you don't know what you're talking about. He entered into their pain. Look at verse 33 with me. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. In verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Um, this, this week in the office, I've been making a joke all week that I'm going to make the whole sermon off Jesus' whelp. Um, I'm not that good of a preacher to preach a whole sermon off Jesus' whelp. Um, but I want us to see that it's the shortest verse in the Bible, just two words. 
And it's so easy to just skip over those two words, but I want us to see how powerful these words are. Jesus wept. A full-grown man wept. God in the flesh wept. The all-powerful one who knew exactly what he was about to do wept. He knew that he was about to go to the tomb and say, open up that tomb, and Lazarus gets up, and, and he was going to be the hero. But instead of saying, hey, y'all, just hold y'all tears. I'm about to make everything all right. He paused for a second, and he wept. Jesus is not a distant or absent God. He's a God who mourns with those who mourns and weep with those who weep. He feels our emotions, and he enters into them. I want to confess, as a pastor, um, I struggle entering into other people's emotions. Um, not because I don't care about your emotions. I struggle because I naturally want to run away from every unwanted emotion myself. Um, true confession, just three weeks ago when we, had, when we were sending off Michael Rose and the Rose family to New Zealand, to live for two years, everybody was crying and giving their farewell hugs. I legit wanted to walk out the room and not even say bye. Not because I don't care about them, but because I, I, I didn't want to get sad. I, didn't, I saw them crying. I didn't want to go into that and feel, feel this emotions too. And many of us are that same way. Any type of feeling or emotion we try to run away from. But thank God Jesus is not like me. Because when he sees our pain, when he sees our hurt, he don't turn his back and say, toughen up. But when he sees you in the pit of depression, Jesus doesn't look down at you and say, hurry up and climb up. No, he climbs down into that pit too. And he sits with you. He cries with you. He feels with you. We learned a couple of weeks ago that Jesus is the good shepherd. And when a shepherd, when a sheep falls into a pit and twists his ankle, the shepherd gets down into that pit and picks the sheep up. But then the shepherd still don't say just walk. The shepherd actually carries the sheep. And that's, the, that's why I want to tell you this morning that we have a God who, yes, he doesn't prevent our pain. He doesn't prevent our suffering, but he... Is with us, carrying us through the confusing times, carrying us through the hurt and the pain. And I want to end by saying, sometimes God gives us what we don't want. Just as a parent gives their child vegetables when their child wants to eat fruit snacks all day. Sometimes God, as a loving parent, gives us what we don't want because he knows what we need. I can't help but think about my, um, my baby girl when she was just one month old, the day when she was getting her first shot at the doctor. I knew that morning we was waking up, and I was prepared to take her to the doctor office for her to get her first shot. But I wasn't prepared when I got in that room with her. Because we laid my sweet baby girl who has never experienced pain a day in her life. And me and Jay were standing there trying to comfort her. And she was looking at us smiling. And as soon as that needle went into her leg, 
it's like her brain could compute what was going on, and I saw her smile turn into like that, turn into like that silent cry, like that, like that. And and, and I remember thinking, oh my God, what did we do to my baby? And I immediately picked her up and started to hug her and comfort her. And Jay looked at me and said, are you crying? And I said, nah, nah, I ain't crying. I ain't going to lie. I did have her. You know, I had one of them big tears come right here. And, and even, even when Kara stopped crying, she was happy and smiling again. I still, like, my emotion was still messed up. Like, I was still rattled. I still was crying. Like, I don't know why we let this happen to you, baby. But we allowed her to go through a temporary moment of pain for her long-term good. And I know everything happens in our life. We, so many things happen. We can't even be begin to compute how this can be good. But I want to tell you, and what Jesus wants you to know this morning is that you can trust him. He tells us always that his ways are not our ways and that his thoughts are not our thoughts. He sees the big picture. He knows what is best, not only for you, but for his glory. So I want to end by encouraging you this morning that no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what pain you may be enduring, no matter what heartbreak you may be going through, I want to encourage you to just hold on to Jesus. Keep trusting in him. And if you are having a hard time believing anything I said this morning, I want to invite you to stay after church and speak with us. Speak, speak to our that's why we are here as a church, not just to come and sing fancy songs and let somebody preach for a couple minutes, but we are here to encourage each other, to walk with each other, to carry each other, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are the resurrection and the life. We thank you, Lord, that you are good and faithful, even when we're surrounded only see and feel our darkness, Lord. We know, Lord, that your light is there shining. So, Lord, I just pray for those who are grieving this morning, those who are doubting, those who are wrestling. I pray, Lord, that you meet them right where they are. Wrestle with them and show them your goodness. Show them your glory. And lead us all to trust in you more deeply. I pray this and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive the Lord's blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen.